Welcome to the B-Check Chats, where I get to interview some of the most interesting and talented founders, creators, and builders in the Web3 space. Today, in this episode number six, I'm delighted to chat to my good friend, Spacewalk. Spacewalk has his own podcast and newsletter, Metal Vault, and is also involved in Valet Confidential, and is one of us who has taken up the challenge of articulating the various interesting elements of Web3. So there's no person better to discuss the production of content and the strategy behind that and why it's so important. Spacewalk, welcome to the B-Check Chats. How are you doing? Awesome, man. No, this is so exciting for me because you and I, in like December of last year, were messaging on Twitter like, hey, man, you know, are you interested in doing a pod? Like, what's what's going on? And here we are, you know, being featured on your pod is, you know, kind of mind blowing. So I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's really cool. Like we were having these conversations a really, really long time ago, I guess because we sort of sensed that something needed to be done content wise. Yeah. Like, what would you say looking back? What, 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 like, why do you think we were even having that conversation then? What was the opportunity we saw? What was the inspiration back then? Well, B-Check, long, long, long time ago. This was December. Like, this was eight months ago. Um, so let's let's just frame it in, in the context many that it moons is, right? Ago. But, yeah, many, I mean, look, it was many moons ago. Um, you know, the, the space still is moving so fast and so much is happening and so much is being built and there's so many ideas and there's so much creative energy right now and, and has been, you know, for the last 18 months, um, and I haven't been following prior to that, but the real energy starting, you know, in that January 2021 timeframe, you know, December 2020, January 2021. Um, and as somebody who is trying to, you know, understand what the hell I'm getting into, it's like somebody should be writing about, like, we're all thinking about it. Like, we're having conversations about it. Like, maybe we should get some of this down onto a newsletter or onto a podcast or in big Twitter threads or whatever it was. Right. So I think, you know, I noticed some of your, and discord just never felt like discord's not the answer. Right, man. So like, no. it's gotta be something. It's not fun to spend a day chatting in discord and then thinking like that was a really productive, amazing conversation and it's lost. <laughs> like, I mean, the day <laughs> flips, right. And the conversation moves on and it's gone. Um, and so thinking about ways to, to you know, bring those ideas out into a space that could be shared and could could grow, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was that was some of the original idea, at least from from my side. What about you? Yeah, definitely. I think if you think about it, like it's sort of a natural progression for an evolving community to want to begin to kind of codify and document their own history, and just to. Yeah, I think that to to start to document your own history as a community, your community needs to have developed to a certain point. There needs to be an established number of people who are kind of in it for at least a medium to long term. So and also the way I think about it a lot is things that don't get written down just won't last. Like they're not going to last if you don't have the production of content around an idea or a group of people or an activity or a shared interest it's going to disappear because i don't know then the the idea just stays contained in the same group of people and it will die without people i'm not i mean this is like a kind of a higher level view 
I'm not suggesting we would be doing these podcasts like for, or we'd be producing this content for 60 years, just <laughs> alone amongst ourselves. But I just think, yeah, the documentation of a community is part of its evolution in that respect. Yeah. And I think it's, so documentation for sure, right. To actually get, get the ideas down on paper, but then also spending the cycles to try to frame the space mm. that like certain concepts within the space. Right. So mm. recently I wrote something about utility debt within projects and I got some really good feedback and some folks that I, you know, highly respect saying, wow, that really sort of crystallized this concept that I had in my head, but you, you put it in a, you know, in this, this nice, beautiful pearl shape um, concept. And now I get it. And now when I'm looking at projects, I'm wondering to myself, how much utility debt does that project have? Um, mm -hmm. And as they're adding on all of this quote unquote utility, like that's just more debt that you have to service. Right. And so it's, it is documenting it, but it also, you know, certain, certain ways for the community to, to find these frameworks, these mental models, these like little, you know, concepts that can ultimately flourish and now become part of the canon, right? And we're all now, you know, pointing at other projects saying, look at the utility debt over there. Is that is that good or bad? Right. And again, it's not mm. it's not a criticism specifically to that concept, but like just to be able to have a conversation around a specific framed concept. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the yeah, that's really cool. To be to be able to shape the narrative and conversation. Do you think that's one of the reasons why you wanted to get involved? maybe even broadly in Web3, because it's such a new frontier, any work that you do in the kind of media realm, if that's even what you can call it, it would be genuinely kind of shaping the narrative and discussion in the, in the space. No, that's a great question. So I think early on, no, the answer was is no. Early on, I was just trying mm. to make sense of a project that I loved, right? Pixel Vault had a <laughs> lot going on. And um, at the time, G Funk, the founder of Pixel Vault was doing a lot of podcast and YouTube appearances and throwing out, you know, to be dates, you know, like maybe, you know, that's happening in a couple of weeks, it's happening in a couple of months. And I was just like, I need to wrap my head around a roadmap. Right. And so let me just document what he's been saying for the last three weeks and put it down on paper. Um, mm. So really to me, it wasn't even, you know, what is this, what, what is this company doing? And like, how, how is this space evolving? And like, what is this company doing in, in relation to the larger space? It was just, what's going on? Like, let me just make sense of it. Yeah. And then after doing that for a few months, um, I started to notice some patterns, not only within the company, but within the larger space and then doing some compare contrast and, and really trying to understand, like, you know, when you spend hours and hours of your free time thinking about a company, thinking about a space, um, to me, it was, it, 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 it evolved into something like, yeah, what, what am I doing outside of just being a fan? And, and you can do both. You can be a fan and still, you know, try to frame concepts and try to understand, you know, a company's dynamics. But um, it definitely shifted more towards, let me try to understand what's going on, you know, with, within this company and how it uh, affects the larger ecosystem and or, or how the ecosystem is affecting it. Yeah, that's really interesting because in teaching, we have this taxonomy called bloom's taxonomy and it's like it's a framework for how to ask questions about or to, to, how to ask questions to pupils to kind of develop their thinking and at the bottom rung of questions i can't remember the actual bracket but essentially it's just like what is happening yeah <laughs> like what is the thing that you are discussing and then you mentioned slightly after when you started progressing you mentioned compare contrast and like comparing contrasting is higher up in the taxonomy because it requires a different part of the brain 
which you can only get to and access once you have understood what the hell is going on. makes sense. Yeah. So it's super important to have that initial foundation in order to progress and do more interesting things uh, later. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, I think, you know, we're all, I feel like a lot of us that are in the Web3 space are scrambling to understand individual projects, right? So it's, and if you're focused on just one project, I think you might be able to get there, right? But if you're focused on 10, 15, 20, however many projects that you're into, like, it's hard to feel like you know what's going on in all of those projects. And, you know, certainly, you know, as we kind of entered the bear market, um, if it's still a bear market, I, I, you know, I, I don't, don't, know know, don't know what to call it anymore. <laughs> but um, this period that we're in, um, I've definitely decided to, instead of spreading my wings, you know, and, and getting into lots of projects, like what are the things that really interest me in the space? And then finding mm. projects that are focused on those things and then spending more time with, with those kinds of, of projects. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely unbelievably difficult to stay on top of the variety of things. I wanted to ask, when you say you obviously started in order to make sense of one particular project, was there any broader strategy strategy there to think, well, I want to, you know, when people talk about the production of content and strategies of how to grow and all of this and that, was there any thinking of, well, I want to start narrow, build an audience, then you know branch out or was it just literally i i just like this and if so why did you choose pixel vault yeah no not at all i am so not strategic about content <laughs> and media <laughs> like i um there was a moment i can say that uh like the early success like the early um um you know acceleration that uh the meta vault uh newsletter had it made me think you know, this might be interesting that the space is growing. They're really, you know, there's, there's rabbit fan bases specific to individual projects. Could you build, you know, sort of a larger umbrella and have lots of different newsletter media content specific to certain projects? This um, is what we, we, we touched on this when we spoke all we those did. moons ago in yeah. December. Yeah. And so that's, and I still think there there is a, a world in which that might work, right? Like I, you know, if you there's there's certain like ESPN.com or whatever, right? Like if you go to the the NBA page, like you can you can find content about my my local Washington Wizards, as bad as they are. Um, you can go to the Bulls uh, Chicago Bulls page. Like there's different ways to consume media, right? And um, you know why not bring that to the Web three space? And, and instead of a you know an NBA team, you're just following your your favorite NFT project. Um, but that takes a lot of time and effort. And I, you know, I've got a, a, in real life job that has a lot of demands. I've got two little kids and this was, this is still a hobby for me. Um, and so no, it, it, I have not been strategic about, um, you know, I try my best, absolute best to publish weekly, to do weekly pods. But when it doesn't happen, I do not beat myself up about it because yeah. you and I also had a very important conversation to me personally. And I want to thank you on your pod that, you know, there was a time where I was was arranging, potentially scheduling a interview with somebody controversial in our space. And I, you know, I reached out to you because I, I reached out to a couple of people that I was like, hey, what do you think about me interviewing so-and-so? And a lot of people were like, ugh, don't do it. Stay away. And you were like... <laughs> what do you want to do? And I was like, I, I would want to listen to this interview. And you're like, well, there you go. Like, it's as simple as that, right? Like do what you want to do. And mm -hmm. so 
So beat check. I mean, the simple answer is I don't want to spend a ton of time figuring out like how to gain subscribers. <laughs> I just want yeah, to write yeah. good stuff. You know, like I want to create content that I would want to read. So uh, again, I really appreciate your feedback during that time. And then now I've carried that forward into, you know, as you described earlier, you know, I, the MetaVault uh, newsletter and podcast was very, was, was solely focused on PixelVault. And then, you know, over the last two months, I've broadened my aperture to, to look at the space more broadly. And in making that change, that was, you know, your, some of your words were part of that decision-making. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, I, I thought um, it was a, it was a good question to ask because knowing the person in question is very worthwhile, like just double checking and getting a sense right. of what kind of reception uh, would be. But I definitely believe that. And actually, before we speak about where you're going and why you decided to change, I just wanted to kind of touch on that, which is like when you focus so closely on a project, to what extent did you feel imprisoned by only being able to speak about that? And also in a way, because the community are the people who you're creating for, right? You're creating for a specific community. What happens when you want to be uh, slightly more critical or want to raise certain questions when you know that this is you're sort of creating for the community so how, how do you manage as an independent creator and as you say go after what you want because ultimately that's what you want to do you don't want to go by someone else's strategy or produce content for people um, other than well you want to produce content for people but you want to do good stuff that you want to do so how do you manage that that balance between producing what you want versus okay well this is the community i'm producing for yeah no so first of all i appreciate the way that you frame that I, it, basically everything that i create is for the community hmm. it's never for companies it still right? is right yeah. yeah and it still is right i mean the, the whole concept is i want to i want to write and think and create um, interesting um, work that is that the community will want to read and want to hmm. consume um and so, so that's so that's always important, right? And as a community member, though, you can still have doubts about a project. You can still have questions about a project. You can still try to better understand the thinking of a project by asking questions. And I mean, the, the way that I took it was, I'm not again. So to go back to your your earlier question, I'm not like engagement farming. I'm not trying to up the number of subscribers. I'm not trying to get you know 150 retweets. Like that's not my desire. My desire is to, again, spend time thinking about something that I'm passionate about and hopefully producing something that uh, the community finds value in. And so I did that and was critical at times and had lots of questions. Um, and I heard zero negative feedback from the community, which is fantastic. I, I mostly got things like, I really appreciate you putting into words this thing that I've been thinking for a while, um, those kinds of things, right? And so... Um, so that was that was fun, right? At the same time, you know, I don't know if I made the the company. <laughs> I don't know if I made Pixel Vault kind of grumpy at times, but um, you know, from my perspective, um, it, it's it's it was the conversation happening in the space anyway, and to to bring it out to a platform um, publicly was, you know, again, I with respect with you know making sure that I was not um, pushing the line just to just to push the line, but asking tough questions and you know being honest about it. I think there's a super important question to ask here, which would be very helpful to the people who are interested in this type of thing, which is, look, generating 
um, and producing community-based or community-related content, which is then, okay, fine. On the one hand, you're creating this content for yourself because that first and foremost, you want to be proud of what you do. It's also for the community because it wants to serve this greater purpose. But there is obviously the third actor in this game which is the company itself the people who produce the content so how did that how, how did your production of the media uh, affect that relationship or was there any kind of fracturing at all i don't know so i mean i think the the newsletter it's interesting man i mean you know you as, as someone who writes newsletters every week you you write this newsletter you put a ton of work into it and then yeah. you make <laughs> no this one, one little pod that's like a 35 minute recording and you publish the thing for, you know, it takes another hour and you publish the thing and then a bunch of people listen to it and then provide feedback and it feels more visceral somehow. Right. So, and mm. look, the, the podcast that, that we had, uh, that I had with my co-host Brad Barrett, um, was more visceral. It, it just, it was like we, you know, the, the emotions were more ramped up. Um, and some of the, the criticism was more ramped up too. And, um, you know, if, if we had any kind of feedback from the company, it would be more based around, I think, the the podcast than the actual newsletter. I think, if anything, the newsletter, I got good feedback from the company saying, you know, I, it's funny. I could even hear sometimes them using phrases that I wrote in the newsletter, like in their, <laughs> like, you know, town halls or community calls. So, like, I know they read it. Yeah. Um, I know that they shared it. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciate that. Right. I mean, that, that's that's good. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, yeah, I think I think as the podcast got more critical and was really trying to dive into some of the dynamics of the company, not just again, not just project, but like really trying to dive into like why is the company doing this, not just you know this specific drop mm. or whatever, but like some larger larger questions that we had. Um, and I didn't hear specifically from them, but um, you know, there's there was some you know not, not definitely not shade, definitely no negativity, but it got quieter between us. Let's say that, yeah. That's interesting. So how do you think, like, as an individual, being the person, you know, with your name front and center on the project, I know you were doing that with Brad also, but how how did that make you feel and how did you kind of manage your own emotions in that? Yeah, I mean, I think, so again, if from my perspective, I think we were being honest and respectful. Having said that, if, you know, I started a company and this was my baby and I worked, you know, 20 <laughs> hours of the 24 hours a day on it and somebody was telling me my baby was ugly um, and maybe just ugly for a day, maybe just ugly for a month, but my baby was ugly, I would be, I wouldn't be too happy either, right? And so there was a side of me who, and, and you know, to the reason that I ended up, um, you know, sort of pivoting and, and going to a more open and, and broader aperture for the larger um, ecosystem was because I also didn't really enjoy on a weekly basis jumping onto a mm. podcast with my co-host and us being grumpy. We started as cheerleaders. Yeah. <laughs> we started this podcast to like be, you know, to, to be super excited. And we were super excited yeah. for months. And then at a, at a certain point, we got pretty grumpy. And that's not fun. Like, I, you know, there, there's no, I, really no true joy in doing that. Um, again, still good feedback from the community and people excited and wanted to listen to it on a weekly basis. Um, but, you know, not, I just didn't appreciate that. That's not my energy. You know, I, I don't live in the world where I walk around being grumpy about projects and stuff. Like I get excited about stuff and, and I'm a very optimistic person. So doing that on a weekly basis was, was actually pretty hard for me at some point. And then 
and Brad too. And Brad and I had a, you know, a very honest conversation between us and was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, this is not the mm. original idea that we had going into this thing, which should we do something moving forward? Should we do something different? Like what's, what's, what's the next step? So that all makes a lot of sense. Um, it seems strikingly obvious that what it had become was something was not the inspiration for why it started. So how did you manage the transition then? Because you obviously had, you were doing this with Brad, who you were doing a great job with. How did you manage to, you know, move across into this new avenue? So by talking to people like you, you know, you and I, I was like, I'm thinking about this thing. Can we chat? Um, and that's, mm. that's what I do generally too, B-Check. I mean, you know, like if, when I'm thinking about something and trying to work through something, I'll just reach out to people and ask them, you know, yeah. I mean, we've, I've been lucky enough to build, you know, really amazing friendships in this space. And when I'm thinking about something, it, it just blows me away, B-Check, the, the kind of people that are in this space, not mm. nice people, yeah, are me great, too. but like these people are like pros, right? <laughs> like people that have amazing backgrounds. And so when I, when I reach out to them and ask them, you know, how, you know, to help me talk through this, work through this, think through this, like, these are amazingly skilled, like professional, like amazing resources. Right. And so I reach out to people and I'm like, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. And I've got different feedback on different concepts, different ideas. Um, and then went, went with what I thought made sense for me. Um, and, and ultimately again, kind of made it a, a sharp turn, um, after a little bit of a pause, um, and now I'm kind of swimming through the open sea, uh, pardon the pun, <laughs> of all these different projects and these concepts and um, trying to find, um, I guess, kind of my voice in this world, right? Like in this larger space. It was very, very easy. You know, Brad and I joke that like we would jump on the podcast for, you know, we jump in the recording studio or whatever for two minutes, go, what are we talking about today? Got it. Let's go. And we'd record. Mm. But then when you open the aperture and say... Hey Brad, we're going to talk about uh, 10k TF today, and he's like, "What is that?" You know, like yeah. that's that's you've got to really you know um, coordinate a lot more and get schooled up on on things a lot more than just showing up and talking about a project. So um, that's ultimately why I decided to go solo. Not at all because Brad and I had any issues with each other. I love that dude, um, amazing guy, really incredible. Um, it was just it's just easier for me to manage moving forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what do you think, like, what is, as you move forward solo, what are the opportunities that you see that you'd like to explore? So I think, so we've been talking mostly about MetaVault, but the other newsletter that I uh, built, co-founded with uh, Filmbook, another friend that I met in this space um, called Valet Confidential, which is focused on Jenkins the Valet, but the larger, you know, Tally Labs is, is the company that um, built Jenkins the Valet. Um, they just released their Bored and Dangerous uh, book written by Neil Strauss. And then uh, Azerbala is there, you know, um, actually, I think it'll be about a 14,787 uh, count PFP project. Um, and, and they're building a whole world around it, right? And so what I'm really interested in are, are these projects like Chimpers as well. Um, shout out to those guys. They're, they're you know, mm. amazing Um uh, members of the space, but projects that are trying to tell stories, you know, and really interested in the community helping to tell these stories, not just, you know, listen to what we're telling you, listen to this world that we're building, but let's 
build like a fabric that you can now, you know, build a canvas that you can now draw on with us. Um, and, and so that, that's what, you know, Valley Confidential spends a lot of time thinking about, um, Tally Labs, Jenkins, and, and the world that they're growing and the kind of stories that they want to tell and how they start from story first. And, um, I mean, they're, think about this, like they, they have a head of story as one of their, you know, key hires over the last six months. Like how many, how many NFT projects have someone at that level with that kind of role? Like that, it just, to me, it solidifies how important, um, you know, story is to everything they do. Yeah, it seems to be a priority for them. Also, I get the sense to just build with the community. So like, yes, there's this element of story, which is super important. And the community is obviously a huge focus. In what way do you think with... um, What's I going to ask? So Tally Labs, just take it back for a second. So Valet Confidential is, is, is it documenting the Jenkins ecosystem in the same way that MetaVault used to focus on the Pixelvault ecosystem? Or is there some deeper connection between this kind of, in the building of the story? No, so it's, yes, yeah, great point. So earlier we were talking about this concept that I had and talked to you about uh, months ago of like maybe Meta Vault will be Pixel Vault focused and will that'll be a vertical, and then Valley Confidential would be the Jenkins the Valet vertical. Got it. What's the next vertical? What's the next vertical? What's the next vertical? Now you got ten verticals, ten amazing writers. Like what a cool world that would be. Um, and so Valley Confidential was kind of the first one to you know first offshoot, and now you know film book mostly film book, but film book and I. Um, you know, thinking and writing about uh, everything they're doing. So their entire, you know, their entire ecosystem and not just, you know, again, not just, you know, the latest drop or, you know, uh, or their roadmap, but like thinking about how the project could work. You know, one of the pieces that I wrote on Valley Confidential that I'm proud of was trying to understand that what Tally Labs really wanted to be, wants to be is this stack of tools that sit between, projects on the left-hand side and PFPs, stars on the right-hand side. And you stars can come into this stack to try to find projects to be, you know, featured on. We all have this, you know, the, these licensing rights. Awesome. But how do we use them? It takes way too much work to create your own character and license it and try to make any money out of it. They kind of figure that out. Um, so, you know, you've got your, your, your own PFP on the right-hand side coming into the stack and then all these projects that are looking for interesting kinds of characters and worlds and stuff. And they sit on the left-hand side. And then when they come to the center, you are just utilizing Tally's tools to do that and wrote that. Um, and, and the guys who, who run that uh, VJ and Safa wrote, wrote to, to myself and film book were like, wow, you guys nailed it. Like that's exactly what we're thinking. Um, and so, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of, you know, again, like what, what is going on in the project? Cause they have a lot going on too. Um, but then also like, what are they trying to actually achieve here? Like what, what is the big thrust behind licensing IP? Like we all talk about it, but we don't know a ton about it. And we also don't know how, it, how we could do, how we could use our PFPs to, to create characters, to potentially, you know, be involved in larger projects. And so um, film book and I like to think through that and, and, but you know, and, and write to that as well. How have you found this kind of, the fact that you're able to write something, this is something 
which is probably quite unique to the space where you're able to write something, obviously spend some time on it, try to produce something quality. And then the founders just message you straight after once they've read it. Like that's not necessarily normal uh, to be able to produce something and have it have an impact almost immediately and get uh, feedback from the people concerned. How has that been going with the the Jenkins team? Well, how did it start out, and then how did it develop? No, it's a great story. So, um, so th- those guys are just different. So VJ and Software, they're amazing. I remember you telling me, like, even, maybe even you were a bit surprised about how like, receptive and how... blows my mind. I mean, check yeah. I mean, just the space in general, right? Like when you reach out to somebody, <laughs> you don't really expect them to right back you just don't it's definitely not it's not it's not like a guarantee for sure no, like you, no. just, you just don't know but the space is still kind of small enough that when you when you ask somebody to be on a podcast they, they might say yes they, they they probably will say yes um and so one of the things i've definitely learned over the last eight months is just reach out to people and uh you know if they if they don't respond got it if they if they say no got it but a lot of times they say yes so film book and i were um throwing out ideas about, you know, different things to do. And um, at the same time, I noticed that he was on a Jenkins the Valet town hall and was speaking. And I was like, whoa, you're into this project? Because he and I mostly talked about Pixel Vault. Hmm. And I was like, well, what if we do a newsletter specific to Jenkins? He was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And he was like, well, what if we start with a interview with VJ and Safa? And I was like, that'd be fantastic. Do you want to try? Immediately, they said, yes. They said, what do you need? Um, let's set up the interview after you interview us. How about you interview so-and-so then you can interview so-and-so like anything you need moving forward. You can talk to our CAA agents. Like they were super excited. They, they had an announcement in their discord saying, guys, listen, mm. we have a news, like, like the community's <laughs> built a newsletter and film book and I are like, what is going on? Like these guys yeah. want to spend time with us. And also at that point, it's, it's just an idea, right? Like completely then not even necessarily convinced like there's no there's no okay i know you had metabolic and maybe you used that as part of the pitch but there's there's no there's no hardcore evidence that like okay this is going to be a lasting commitment you just reached out but it sounds like the response was just overwhelmingly and almost to the point almost surprisingly positive yeah we're not packy mccormick like we don't have a hundred thousand subscribers and we're like we want to we want to provide you know no it was just like we're members of the community, we've got an idea and we, you know, we, we think there's value here and they immediately understood it. And we're like, this is driving value. And it's not even like a, va- it wasn't like a, you know, one of those kind of gross business. Like it was just two guys on our side, me and film book going, this is exciting. We'd love to do this. And it was two guys on that side going, this is amazing. We'd love if you did this, you know, like it was kind of this perfect marriage. Yeah. That's really cool. What what do you think from their perspective? Because you spoke from your perspective about how it's like, look, this is a new vertical. Maybe we can do one for Jenkins. Maybe there'd be another one. It's kind of this vision of having multiple uh, almost franchises underneath your broad media umbrella. From their perspective, if you were to flip it around and for other people thinking, oh, this sounds like a good idea. How do you, like from their perspective, what are they thinking? Like, why do they think that this is a good idea because to be fair to them and as you said it's absolutely not a guarantee that founders will respond like this so they obviously have thought like some light bulb went off in their head for them to think yeah let's get involved let's make the announcement in discord let's hook them up with a bunch of other people because not everyone does that so what did they see 
in the idea in the opportunity that other people maybe are not seeing great question for them i don't i don't know bjack i can but say if you, if you were to th- if you were to think about it because i was just thinking as you were speaking like it all makes sense from your angle but actually if you think about it f- from them they were doing something exceptionally rare because it's so hard to get people to give you attention, particularly, as you say, if you're not like the biggest character on social media or whatever, but you do produce good stuff for them to be so on board and just un- like and just get it. What what do you think? Like, Obviously, you can't speak for them, but what's no, your, what's so, your I thought? Mean, yeah, and we've we've obviously talked to them quite a bit um, over the last uh, three or four months that we've been we've been doing Valley Confidential and shout out to Filmbook who just got hired by Tally Labs, mm. right? So so shout out to Filmbook. It's I've huge, had a right? Of conversations with him um, behind the scenes as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's him. funny, like you know, people. It one of the first times I'll, I'll answer your question, but let me just do this real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so people and and you your recent I think newsletter addresses some of this. Um, People, people always ask, like, how do I get into Web3? Like, hmm. I'm not a developer. Uh, I'm not an artist. Like, how do I get into Web3? And that was, you know, I had the MetaVault newsletter, and that was one of the first conversations Filmbook and I had was he was like, how can I, I want to get into Web3, but I don't know how. Like, if there's anything you need, like, if, if I can help you at all, do whatever you need, let me know. And I'm just, a, you know, uh, an individual writer, contributor, person, creator, right? So, like, didn't really need any help. But at the same time, he and I were becoming friends and talking all the time. And he had great ideas. And some of those great ideas would find their way into the MetaVault newsletter. And then I brought him into the MetaVault newsletter at some point. Um, and then, you know, eventually we end up building this, this, you know, separate newsletter on the side. Um, and then we do good work uh, and produce interesting content and have conversations with these guys and are incredibly professional and, They've trusted us enough to, yeah, introduce us to some of their partners um, and collaborators, and those interactions have gone well. Um, and then, wow, you know, we have an opening, and Filmbook is an amazing uh, professional with with a ton of experience, you know, and it all worked out like insane to think like you go from how do I contribute in the Web three space <laughs> to then being hired by what I consider, you know, one of the top, top, top creative forces in the space like insane like and so again like he and i we, we like giggle to each other sometimes like this is this is just crazy like we certainly pinch ourselves um but so to answer your other question um i i think they saw uh two people that were really passionate and within the community that um could amplify the cool stuff they were doing that's it I don't know if they had a hope and dream of hiring Filmbook at some point. Like, I don't think it was, I think it was so pure, man. Like if you guys can do this in a really cool, interesting way, then that's exciting for us. It, it amplifies the story that we're, that we're telling. Um, it's coming from the community. So it's a different, you know, that's you and I had a conversation again, long, a long time ago about a long time ago, uh, eight months ago about what is it, what would it look like if a company brought one of these kinds of newsletters into the company, you know, mm. like because it's so community focused and community built, like, can you still have the same kind of conversation um, when it's an official, you know, quote unquote, official newsletter within the company. And I don't know the answer to that because, you know, that that is not the, the, the working model that, that I have, but um, I'd like to think if anybody could figure that out, it'd be tally like tally to me that the guys running that, organization would 
I think would 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 be able to build a safe space where um, a mix between people in the company and community could potentially ask tough questions about certain aspects to the project, and they would be um, interested in in having that kind of conversation. Yeah, I think that's a really really tough one. I do remember the conversation we had, and my instinct has always been in order to maintain independence you will ultimately have to be literally just retain retain your independence yeah. like it's it's hard to bring someone on board i think and then it's just when when it goes out through the official channels someone's probably like as soon as someone's proofreading your work well and, and so just that's, like that's the thing though to be checked like i think when something why why do most official I releases don't <laughs> feel like they feel they're just stale. dead inside aren't they yeah they are like there's no I voice think that's the point the point is to make them dead and make no one notice them I, but is it like lawyers that get involved like you're you're the you're the lawyer uh, in this podcast like i don't think so yeah, right it, it's like well i, I mean literally the, the, i i used to do one of the things i did do at amazon while i was on secondment there for six months in the london office I was in the media legal team and I did the PR stuff. And essentially we get these things through from the business side and it's just like, can we send this out? And the main question we're asking ourselves, to be honest, is just like, is this true? Like, is it true? Is it true? Yeah. <laughs> like, is, is this claim that you're making true? Is it like properly substantiated? Like mm. as long as there's nothing wild in there um from a pr perspective because i mean the business were pretty good at doing whatever they needed to do but in general like whenever th- something sounded like oh this is the best something or this is 85 percent something's like is it true as long as it's true i'm happy to sign off on it but okay. you know let's not go but truth go truth doesn't board. feel like personality though right like and not to say that a personality no, needs to be definitely be, you know spitting falsehoods but like yeah i it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, all the different projects that I follow, I, I, and some of them are amazing storytellers too, by the way. And yet it still feels like their, you know, medium posts or their newsletters are like, oh, come on. But then another interesting question then is that, okay, I agree with you. It doesn't have personality. However, say you take the person with the personality, because the thing is, the thing about the personality is that it's from a person. So say film book for example, has this personality, individual personality, which he's articulating when he writes these pieces. But then that goes in-house. And then the in-house voice is Filmbook's voice, which is great because it still has the personality, but only so long as Filmbook is writing it. So then the company has this the difficulty where the voice and personality, because it's from a person, is is attached to the person and not the company, which might be fine, to be honest, because if that's the person that they like to represent their company personality, then that's great. And then in future, anytime, you know, as people move on and change and roles change, they'll always look for someone to be able to get that feel. But do you see what I mean? There's, I do. We have the individual person and then the company personality. And if one becomes the other, then it's actually just the person becoming the company. No, look, so this is this is something I've been framing in my head for probably two months, and I have not written it yet. 
And so if anybody steals the idea, <laughs> good for you. I'm working on it. Um, but if you beat me to it, good for you. Um, I'm calling it vibe merchant. It's a vibe merchant, right? It's somebody who, it's somebody who is, is selling vibes really for themselves, but when they mesh perfectly with a company, it's like this, like, you know, Voltron, like, you know, Avengers thing. Like you're like, you're, 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 you're better together. And actually, again, mm. Tally's kind of nailed this. Their, their director of vibes, which is a fantastic title, uh, thread guy is exactly this. He is a personality that exists outside of the company as well as somebody who amplifies the company. And there's, mm. there's, this is, this is an amazing opportunity in, in this space specifically, I think, because there are gaps in time where you're not delivering something, right? It's just, it just, it has to happen, right? You just can't always be delivering stuff. And in that time, what is the vibe yes. of the company and community? And if the vibe is fun and silly and uh, supportive and positive and exciting, even when nothing is being delivered, that's the kind of community I want to, I want to stay in, right? Regardless of what's being delivered. Um, and Mm. Tally understands this and thread guy is an amazing example of this. And it's weird though, like to your point, like I'm, I'm trying to, the reason I haven't written it yet is, is that there's this, I think some projects have, have these kind of a vibe director of vibe type people and it's, it's unhealthy. It doesn't, doesn't feel like it's, it's giving to the community. Um, and yet in the tally example, it is, it, it, it's fulfilling. Um, and yet to your point, he, Thread guy is his own person. He's like a, he's like an athlete to me. He's like it's almost like a, like an endorser <laughs> of this company, right? Like mm. a paid endorser. Um, he's an amazing, amazing personality that is lives on his own, right? It has his own like faction of people that follow him and do whatever anything he's excited about, they get excited about. Um, and yet at the same time, it's incredibly um, valuable to the company because he he carries this this gap between releases in a way that is again, incredibly valuable to the company. So it's, it's, I'm with you, man. I, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about and, and finding people in this space that are doing that and driving value is, is just, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting. That's a really, yeah, there, there's something here. There's something in that, as you said, when, when you said, did you say vibe merchant? Merchant. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, I the, thought the, you the were, post I, is I, the, the rise of the vibe merchants. Um, no, yeah. it's a good good idea. I, I, I thought you were going to say vibe mercenary. <laughs> oh no! Where someone yeah. like c comes just in with their vibes, <laughs> just bounces around, giving their vibes to different people at different times. I mean, arguably, that's that, called an influencer. <laughs> yes, that that is what that is, and you know, it's a. I guess depending on the person you hire, it's a difficult challenge to find the right person who is uh able to stick around and as you say it's actually a really challenging time in a company's kind of not trajectory but those pockets of time where nothing is happening i don't well i'm not aware of companies who are have coherent strategies for that and i think i guess this is an example of a group of people who are like let's address that head-on because as you say, there are natural pockets of time where where nothing can happen, and we've got to we've got to deal with that. Yeah, that'd be an interesting question for VJ and Safa at, at Tally's. It, you know, this was I think they they brought Thread Guy on two or three months ago, um, and I mean Tally in, in general, 
for the you know the folks in in the audience like they released the, the writers room tickets i want to say last september time frame and just now is you know i think last week was their first nft release since and it was the book that you know this writers room built together so that's a lot of time man in this space <laughs> a lot of patience so so long you know and and uh <laughs> Uh, you know, not to not to dwell on floor prices, but like they like it continually, you know, rose over the last uh, you know year. So like they they understand gaps in time for sure. And um, mm. you know, I I would not be surprised if they've internalized this in a in a way that you know made them make that higher. Yeah, this is a super important conversation. I'm gonna have to think about this more as well. Like these gaps in time. It's probably a whole market of people who I would should be able to market themselves to companies to 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 provide value in in these downtimes. Well, and I think that's really pertinent. And I also think that VJ and Safa at Tally probably thought to themselves, Valley Confidential, you know, this community run newsletter might also be a way to fill some of these gaps of in downtime, right? Like I I think more more companies should um, should think about that, right? And and should think about community developed content in that way. I rem- I remember. I think we spoke about this with respect to Pixel ages ago, but or maybe it wasn't in respect to that. But it basically, it's applicable to anyone. Just like it's it's the old adage of like you know you don't need to create just document things. And say you're in a period of downtime, but the newsletter comes out the weekend. You're like you're interviewing the dev. It's interesting. Amazing. Like the, the devs, devs are these like sorcerers behind the thing. We don't really understand what they do. Half of us are not technical at all, but it is interesting. The, the stuff that they get up to. And I know a couple now, you know, the stuff that they're working on, how they fit it into the broader goals of the company, like all that stuff's interesting, whether it's the dev, whether it's in operations, whether it's, there's all sorts of stuff that people would be cool about and one of the main things you see questions constantly repeating in the discords is like well people just want what's going on you just want an update what's going on just give them something to talk about each week um with some community content so yeah i can definitely see how that would service those those downtimes i also think i think every major every major nft project should have their own podcast too and Look, and you and I, you and yeah, I have podcasts, definitely. right? But um, so we're sort of biased towards the medium. But um, spaces are great, but spaces are different. And so to have a more controlled environment, to like you just said, to have somebody within the company interviewing their dev about all the cool stuff they're doing would be fantastic. Um, to talk to the artists, to to have you know a one on one with the CEO saying, "Here are the things that are important to me moving forward." Not dropping alpha or dropping you know, due dates or any of that kind of crap. It's just, here's, you know, here's what's going on this week in so-and-so company, um, I think would be, you know, a huge opportunity for them and um, them being any company, right? Like, I, I, yeah, I, it's interesting to think through like what kinds of, what kind of professionalized communication might um, start to mature in this space, you know, over the next year or so. Exactly. I, and that's tying into those old conversations of having about like how the, the way to make the opportunity in the space is to prof- to professionalize those communication avenues. Touching on this com- professionalized element, we've also been speaking about how we are referred to sometimes as 
content creators and this is a long conversation we've had aside where we're not quite sure is this the professional term is this what we are we do respect and understand that lots of people are content creators like fully fledged will be in their twitter bios and that's that's what they do but what is the reluctance perhaps from us to put ourselves in that bracket do you think do you have you heard the term cpm like cent per million or something like that like it's an advertising term like a google advertising term i don't know i'm just saying google because i'm not very uh knowledgeable about it but the idea is the mm-hmm. number of people that click on an ad associated to like a, a post or whatever um you know if a million people click on it then you're getting a cent something something along those lines that to me feels so commoditized right and like you know, it, I know your newsletter doesn't have currently doesn't have any advertising. Uh, mine doesn't either. Um, not to say I'm not open to advertising. Hey, shout out. <laughs> Anybody want to come in and advertise on, on MetaVault or Valley Confidential? Uh, we can have a conversation. I've got I've got some funny stories about this sponsorship stuff. I'll tell you. <laughs> OK. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, regardless, like I, I feel like a content creators trying to monetize their work. Right. And I'm lucky enough. It's constant struggle, it, constant and struggle. It's a con- like, and I, so I, how to figure and it I out. I get it. Right. And I get that a lot of people are trying to do that. And I know you and I've talked about like, do you charge for the, the newsletter? Yeah. Like what's the best model? What's the best model? Right. Cause I, look, it's not, I'm doing it as a hobby and I, I enjoy it, but at the same time, exactly. wouldn't it be really cool to, to make, I mean, there's value in it for sure. Um, I've just never figured out how to ask money to the communities. Right. And, uh, it's just something that I, you know, personally, uh, you know, thought about and haven't really figured out or tried to figure out also, because again, I'm mostly doing this as a hobby. Um, and yet, yeah, man, like I don't, I don't like the idea of it being a commodity. Like the idea that like on every, on every, Sunday, I post this thing, regardless of whether or not something, you know, earth shattering is happening. Um, and it's, yeah, so that, I mean, I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest challenge I have, um, is, is feeling. Do you think it, do, you, yeah, do, do you think it's something to do with, it's like we're scrounging for clicks or something? Well, so look, I had two very interesting conversations recently, um, with, with two people at, at, you know, these are two different companies, um, uh, bigger companies in the space. Um, and one of them said something that, you know, from somebody I really respect, like you're, you're a great content creator and I hope that you continue doing it. it it's really fun to read your stuff and, and to listen to your stuff. Hmm. And I corrected him and I was like, I really appreciate that, but I don't really see myself as a content creator. Like I'm just somebody who's really passionate about the space and, and, you know, interested in, in trying to understand it better. The other person was saying it more from, you know, a different angle saying, you know, you're a content creator. So, you know, you, you want the clicks engagement. And I'm like, well, so I'm not a content creator. (laughs) Like I'm not, I'm not searching for engagement per se. Having said that, like, you know, obviously I write stuff to hopefully have it be received. Right. I I want to be received, Mm. but I don't, and I, and I enjoy engagement, but at the same time, like when you, when someone says you post something for engagement, that means to me that you're posting something negative just to get eyeballs and like Hmm. so i had so again i had to correct this this person and then that walking away from that is when i really started to think through like am i a content creator do do people think i'm a content creator (laughs) you know (laughs) i create content (laughs) 
<laughs> I think I kind of like, am a content techni- creator. Technically, literally, if I was to look these words up in the dictionary, <laughs> maybe. But I know what you mean. There's something. There's something about it which, look, I, for example, there are some very. I, I think it's almost a class thing, and I don't know why this is the case because people who are content, you know, pure content creators, do are super successful now, like hyper hyper successful if you make it properly. But I think there's still this perception that, say, for example, you were a famous, like one of my uh, the writers I like reading is Paul Graham. Yeah, mm-hmm. You might be familiar I with do. him. He's like a, I think a very successful VC. investor, yeah. and in fact, I don't, I don't even know what he does. He's VC. But the point is, when someone who is hyper successful in one avenue writes, because he's a great writer Amazing. and writes very well, mm-hmm. they don't get called a content creator. Right. Because it's like, well, you're mainly this thing, which is more successful than the content creating. And then, so in that respect, like the content creator role is subordinate to this either investor, VC, advisor, NFT consultant, whatever people want to call themselves. And the content creator always sits beneath it. Like they, they won't get referred to as that. And I, I don't know, well, I think it might be a financial thing. It's just like, well, people, you know, there's this thing that is more respected by society, perhaps or is more established, at least to be worthy of respect. And that's why they do it. But I think there's something in that. I don't know what you think about that instinctively. Yeah, I think to me, it feels like when you're grinding, when you're grinding for, for that, for mm. that attention, like that's. It, like Paul Graham doesn't have to grind, Paul, so he's not. He a does not have to grind. Yeah, um, he's he writes <laughs> as he wants, and it's amazing when he writes, and everything he writes we read. Um, and so, so yeah, I don't know, but at the same time, like it's so it's okay to grind. It's okay to be a content creator, by the way. Like, exactly. like that that no, I agree. I completely this space agree. needs professional content creators. Needs people that are like, I want to build an amazing business around creating great content for the space. So, like, by no means am I saying. Ew, I don't want to be a content creator. It's me being somebody who has never, <laughs> I, I didn't go to school to create content, right? Like I, and, and you and I talked about this, like I like the idea of being able to do every piece of the creation of a, a piece of content too, right? So, you know, I, I edit and produce and publish the podcast. Um, I write my own stuff. I edit my own stuff. Um, you know, like I, I create all the graphics for my own stuff. Like that's, I like doing all that. Um, in creating the content um, at the same time, like, so, so one of my favorite writers is Ben Thompson. Do you know Ben Thompson from Stratechery? No, you may notice if, if you read any of his stuff, like he's, so he's got some really kind of famous pieces. One of them is the uh, aggregation framework. Um, and okay. you'll, you'll notice he, he likes to draw on his iPad too. And I know you and I have, <laughs> have done more drawing in our newsletters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Love the diagrams. They're the best. The diagrams part. are the best part, right? Um, but it, it's it's a way to simplify these kind of complex, you know, whatever. And so he's he's an amazing yeah. writer and thinker. And at the same time, like I don't consider, and he has a podcast too. I don't consider him a content creator. I just consider him a smart person who's like building stuff that I want to to read and think about and consume. And so I don't know. I mean, that's and so having an interesting conversation recently with a, a friend of mine who's been in the space for a while was like, it sounds to me like you want to to provide context to the space not just 
provide content to the space. And I'm like, am I a context creator? <laughs> like, I don't think that's, I don't think we're making <laughs> up new terms, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not just, I, I think early on when I was writing MetaVault at the beginning and just basically trying to summarize the roadmap and like, you know, you guys said all these things and now let me give it back to you. Maybe then it was a bit more of content creation. And then as I started to think about and try to frame aspects of the space, maybe it became something different because that's, I mean, that, that's what I enjoy doing anyway. And, and that's kind of what I do in, in, in real life in my job as well. So it, it kind of made sense. Yeah, it's much more of that, isn't it? It's because suddenly the thing, your, your independent thinking is what is being uh, reproduced and disseminated to the people. Whereas at one point it was, okay, let me make sense of your thinking and just package it in a way that people understand, which, by the way, is still a really important skill, particularly because so many people are very bad at doing that job for themselves. Um, but yeah, once it starts to develop into independent thought, independent synthesis, independent packaging up, I think that's that's definitely the case. And also, p- people really don't appreciate, like that, as you said, that one article, even the one podcast, over time... There is so much strategy in the production and mapping out of where you're going. Like, in what direction shall I take my podcast next? Okay, well, maybe if I have this person on next week, maybe that feeds into the week after. Maybe that, you know, if I have these people on the podcast, I'll fit I'll fit that into the, it'll like be able to feature in the newsletter. How should I share that on Twitter? Like, there's all sorts of strategy. And actually, that's part of the fun parts, like being full-on producer like on a management CEO role of this independent information that you're creating. Yeah. I like that. I mean, that's, I, I wish I had more time to be as thoughtful as you just described B check. Um, a, a lot of what I'm trying to do right now is just kind of catch up and, and talk to interesting people and um, think about interesting concepts. I wish it was a bit more coherent and, um, you know, framed, uh, you know, more cohesively. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think this, it's been interesting broadening the aperture, as I said, um, because look, mm. people that follow projects really want someone to tell them what's going on in the project. N- not yes, a lot of, they do. <laughs> it's a different kind of audience for someone now saying, well, what does this project mean? Like, what does this space mean? Like, what am I actually getting into? And so there's a side of me who, who hopes, you know, being in this weird period that we are in the current market and flipping is less, you know, fun, um, trying to degen into different projects is less fun. Uh, certainly way more risky. Uh, maybe there will be more people who are like, well, let's, what's going on? Like what's going on in this space? Like what is actually interesting in this space? Uh, and maybe our, you know, the, mm. the readership, the audience would be more, um, you know, willing to read that kind of content as opposed to just what, you know, roadmap, roadmap kind of conversations. That is indeed the hope. So what what can we expect from, you obviously mentioned this phrase quite a lot, which I'll copy, you know, opening the apertures of MetaVault. What can we expect as you move forward with that? Talking to more people, really. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm lining up different interviews for the podcast, for sure, to have different kinds of conversations with different kinds of founders, builders, creators, um, you know, very similar to, to what, you know, you've, you've been doing here on this podcast. Um, and there's just so many different kinds of people to talk to. Um, and then also I do have 
uh, a desire to to dive into some topics more specifically, right? So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of energy around creating stories for ourselves with our PFPs. And I had the head of story on the last uh, MetaVault podcast, and we built a character together, built a backstory together. It was really fun. And I got some great feedback saying, "That's cool." like, that was fan. I took notes. Like that was fantastic. Like I, I want to, I want to to learn more about how to create characters in the space. And so there's a whole, I think, vein of of interesting content around, you know, bringing on people who know how to tell stories, know how to build characters. Um, and so I think, yeah, trying to find those themes that I'm really interested in, and spending more time with people that understand those themes better than I do, um, and and ultimately kind of, you know. Uh, taking those teachings and learnings, you know, back to the community. That sounds really interesting. And just from listening to everything you've said, not just today, but even in general, I think that is an emerging theme with you, which is getting into that kind of creative element a bit more and like the building of story, the creation of character. It does seem that that's like a natural progression for you to focus on those types of people and projects a bit more. That sounds really cool. Yeah, that's that's definitely an intent, man. Um, so just to wrap up, mate, it's been a really great chat. I always like to ask as my final parting question, what you would advise someone to do? And given your specific skill set, how would you advise someone who coming in now, hopefully more reasonable now that NFT and flipping stuff has kind of died down a bit? What can people do to get creating, producing or building in this space? So I th the first thing I would say is read B-Check's last paper. It was a paper 26. Is that the last one? <laughs> yes, or 27. I can't remember. It was <laughs> something along the lines of, you know, the path to a thousand uh, subscribers for a newsletter, right? And so mm. there's a lot of good, mm -hmm. juicy tidbits there. And, and I think the, the biggest feedback that I would give is is to, to, to write to, to, to stop writing in Discord and, and start writing either threads in Twitter or a newsletter or a Word doc where you're just documenting your ideas, like, write. <laughs> and even if you're not a good writer, you know, like, just write. Um, because, I mean, to your, to your earlier point, like, building and creating, it, it starts with somebody documenting, documenting what they, they see from their lens, like, what's going on in the space. And so um, we, we need... We need more thinkers in this space. We need more people who aren't just building new projects, but are thinking about the new projects that are being built. Um, and so, so my thing is, you know, obviously if you're a dev, good for you. You've got a lot of opportunities and I'm sure you're getting thrown lots of offers. <laughs> uh, if you're an artist, um, what an amazing, like energetic time to try to figure out how to like really grow a community. Um, and, but if you're not, there's, there's a lot of opportunity in this space to, to even have just conversations with people. Like we said, like reaching out to founders, like people respond, man. Like um, if you write to me, you know, on Twitter, I will 100% respond. Cause like this, that's what this space is to me is, is a way to, to find, you know, like-minded people that are really passionate about, about the space too. So like follow that passion into, uh, you know, connecting to people, uh, writing about, uh, in, you know, things that interest you um, and and really contributing back to the community. Pretty much everything that I've done so far in this space is just trying to contribute back to the communities that I've been really passionate about. And guess who guess who receives content better than anybody, <laughs> anybody else? Fans of the project, fans of this space. And so 
you'll get amazing positive feedback if you're building stuff that um, you know is is um, supportive of the communities that you know the, these you know around these different projects. Very very wise words, mate. Thanks very much, Spacewalk. It's been a real pleasure. We'll have to do this again soon. Thanks, B-Check. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Speak soon.